listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lease. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. It's friends, the best day of the week. Friends and foe alike. It's the best day of the week for all you sexy mofos out there who tune in every week, two days of the week now, just to hear our fabulous voices. Sultry, yeah. dulcet tones. Our, what was the term for it? Harsh vocal, vocal fry. Just to hear our beautiful vocal fry. Yeah, I think someone left a... I mean, this was back when we started. Someone left a review about my vocal fry. But, yeah. So you fry know, you. It is what it is. It is what it is. Anyway. Fried these nuts. Welcome to another week. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another week. Welcome to another week of Best Served Cold, the true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. I am one of your amazing co-hosts, Laura Elise, and I am best served shaken, not stirred. Okay. But, um, okay, we'll come back to that. And I'm Tama Tor. A dingo stole my attention span. I think you've used that one before. Have I? Yeah. Oh, no. I think you might have actually used that exact one before, ages ago, but I... No, I think that was serotonin. A oh, dingo stole, a dingo my, stole serotonin. my serotonin. Yeah, so yeah, this is technically right. different. Technically different. Sure. Same, same. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Just a quick disclaimer, if you're new around here, we do like to swear quite a bit in this podcast. So yep. if the swear words are not your thing, we would kindly ask that you fuck off. Yep. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You've been warned. Yep. You've been warned. Don't leave a review. Don't get up in arms because you don't like it. If you don't like it, don't check out the podcast. Don't listen. Don't listen to another don't podcast. Listen. It's Go okay. Away. Anyway, welcome to another week. How are you feeling, Tama? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah? Um, I'm really interested in this case, and it took me a long time to get the notes done, but it's a very fascinating case, and interestingly enough, it kind of delves into um, an early facet of history within our own country of sexuality and exploring sexuality. Interesting. And I really like that. I really dig that. I'm officially intrigued. Yes. How's your How's your life going? Well, you know, it's been all right. I'm pretty excited to go out for dinner tomorrow night. Yep. So now well, that we can leave the house, our Sydney ciders have been granted a little bit of freedom. So that's yep. very exciting for us. Gonna, Mel- Melbourne are still in yeah, it. Yeah, I think poor Vic is still Or is that in one TikTok chick refers to it as Melbourne? Melbourne. I think that's just how Americans pronounce it. I mean, it's not hard, it's not hard to just say bun. As opposed to born, is it? I mean, technically, it is spelt with an R, so yeah. Know, but like, it, uh, fucking half it's the. It's just cu- our the, fault for we never pronounce our R's in anything, but you know. I mean, not really. Like, think of half the half the the states and cities in America that are named after. Yeah, like, I just think it's how know. different. It's different how they pronounce their R's. Arkansas. Well, they would pronounce that Arkansas. Like Oricans. Yeah, but like, look at the, look at how it's spelled. Why then, are we talking about this? Well, just look at how that's spelled and tell me that's like, yeah, I'd know that. I know exactly how to say that. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, tell it's me that is. Yeah, but look at Mel. That's because Melbourne has an R. Doesn't mean it's. You what literally about, just disproved your point. What? What about Albury? Oh, I don't know. Let's not talk about. Like, like do you know what I mean? Like, just because a word, ha- oh, fuck it, whatever. 
<laughs> so angry. Well, because you make fun of me for these like things that are just like, I didn't invent the fucking word. Or how <laughs> we say things. People are going to think we're having a domestic on the podcast. What if we are? Maybe we are. What if we are? But this is like, if you ever wanted an insight into our relationship, this is probably the most serious thing we ever fight about. It's yeah. the pronunciation of words. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our new segment that enjoyed. came out. Enjoyed. Okay. I said enjoyed. Okay. It I sounded like you said enjoyed. I'm going to listen back to that. Okay. <laughs> Just to make sure. I hope you enjoyed our new segment that came out on Friday on The Rocks where we're going to be covering some, uh, not smaller cases, I don't want to use the word smaller cases, just, I guess, cases where there's not as much information available. So it's a little bit of a shorter episode. And it's, we yeah, it's more so centered on like it. stuff that you guys suggest to us. It's like this show's the main show where we have cases and we like to go in on them and spend some time researching them. And then Friday shows are just going to be like, you guys have suggested something, we're going to check it out. Or it's something that's vaguely interesting to us that we're just going to talk about for a bit. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a smaller case with more content for you guys, for everyone, for anyone who wants to listen to it. Yeah. That's all it is. And I guess before I quickly jump into mine, the last housekeeping would be if you want to follow us on social media, check us out. We are the BSC podcast on everything. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can check us out. Uh, we would love it if you would share the episode, leave us a review if you haven't already, because it genuinely helps grow the show and yeah. That's it. Unless That's it, man. You have anything else to I add? I have nothing to add okay. apart from the word soaking. Oh my God. You and your bloody obsession with this soaking thing. Yeah. It's a good word. Okay. I'm just going to dive into my... Go for it. So I'm really sorry. I've really gotten on a roll with the unsolved... Ones oh, that's here. fantastic. Great. I kind of have fallen down an unsolved mystery, conspiracy theory rabbit hole yeah. where I've kind of just gone off serial killer. Not gone off serial killers, but no. I'm really on a roll with my tinfoil hat You're really conspiracy theory. You're getting theories. into edging really, our listeners. I'm really enjoying it. That's our new thing. Mm. So today I'm going to be talking about the deaths of Don Henry and Kevin Ives, or more commonly known as the boys on the tracks. Oh, okay. So on August 23rd, 1987, the bodies of Don Henry, age 16, and Kevin Ives, age 17, were discovered after having been hit by a cargo train while they lay on the tracks. It was around 4 a.m. when a mile-long 6,000-ton freight train was traveling to Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Tragically, the driver did actually, because those things have pretty bright floodlight so the driver did actually see them as he approached yeah. and tried to it just takes stop. so long but stop. being as i said mile long six thousand ton freight train traveling at about 50 miles yeah. an hour it those things don't just they don't just stop. stop yeah so due to the size and the weight of the train it was unable to stop in time and it ran over the the bodies of the boys for more than a thousand feet of the train body passing over the top of them before the train comes to a full stop now, according to the train driver, the bodies, as he saw them lying on the tracks, were lying parallel across the tracks with their arms neatly by their side and a green tarp partially covering them. He said he could see a rifle on the ground also lying parallel to the bodies. 
Initially, when the bodies are autopsied, the death is ruled an accident. The official report said the boys fell asleep due to an overconsumption of marijuana, with the coroner saying the boys had smoked the equivalent of 20 marijuana cigarettes. So he basically was like they OD'd on pot, which, you know, that's a thing. Uh, Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, But let's talk about pot, right? Let's talk about being high. Okay, let's do it. We've, we've both been high. Yeah. Um, if my mum and dad are listening, oh, I guess my mum. No, I haven't. If my dad's listening, yeah. Um, and we can cheer about anyway, that later. But so anyway. we've both been under the influence of marijuana, let's just say. Yeah, hypothetically. You kind of under... <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, you, so we both understand allegedly what it's like. Yes. So you imagine... A mile-long, 6,000-ton freight train blaring its horns, how much noise something like that would make. Yeah. You would have to be knocked out by horse tranquilizer to not hear that, no matter how much pot you'd smoke. Yeah, I don't think people understand, like, what marijuana does to you. It's not, like... Yeah, it's not a sedative. Yeah, it doesn't, like... I mean, technically, it's a sedative, but it's not, like... But it's not debilitating. Horse tranquilizer. Like, it's just a... Yeah. So that's the official ruling is that they'd smoked between the two of them 20 joints and fallen asleep on the train. What track. year was this in again? Sorry. Uh, 1987. Okay. That, uh, um, I mean, that's kind of a weird year to yeah. sort of rule that. So the parents are immediately dismissive of this official autopsy report and demand a second one. Larry, Larry Ives, Kevin's father, is particularly vocal about his disbelief of this theory. So after five months of campaigning, during which time uh, family of the children's children note it seems impossible to get anywhere with them constantly meeting opposition from various authorities, a second autopsy is finally done after the bodies are exhumed where it's discovered uh, that Don had been stabbed in the back and Kevin had a crushed skull which testing showed occurred prior to him being hit by the train. After this, their deaths are both formally ruled homicide. Okay, but there you go. It's also discovered that the boys had smoked one at the most three joints between the two of them. The and fuck? at the time of impact, one of the boys was already dead and the other was unconscious. Jesus Christ. So the remaining mystery for this first part was that of the green tarp. So four different people in the train tragically witnessed the train going over the top of the boys. And they all said that a green tarp had been partially covering the bodies. However, when police arrived on scene roughly 40 minutes after the event, the tarp was nowhere to be seen, nor was it found in the surrounding scrub. Uh, Stephen Schroyer, the train driver, said the police advised, initially tried to say that he never said there was a tarp. But then he also said when he did first mention it to the police, they originally tried to deny its existence and basically gaslight him into saying there was, you didn't see it. And he's like, well, I did. And three other people also saw this tarp. They sound fantastic. Yeah. So let's get into some of the oddities and theories surrounding the case. So after the deaths of the boys, some stories started to emerge of odd happenings in that area. So one week prior to their death, a local police officer, Danny Allen, had said that he'd seen a strange man wearing army fatigues near the train tracks where the boys' bodies were found. When Allen attempted to stop the man to question him as to why why you out here, strange man in army fatigues on the train track, the man opened fire on him and fled into the woods and police searched the area, but no one was ever found. Love that. So that's already like 
Yeah, okay. cool. Dope. On the same night that Kevin and Don were murdered, witnesses in the area around 200 yards from where the boys' bodies were found also reported seeing a man in army fatigues. So let's talk about some of the theories and people involved. Because there's really kind of one theory that people are like, I mean, th- this is what this happened, is yeah. but there's no real way of proving it. And because of the theory of what happened, it's so tied up with very powerful people that it's unlikely to ever They just don't want to concede surface. defeat or really. So I would like to very briefly talk about a professional wrestler called Billy Jack Haynes. Oh. So okay. on the same night that the boys' bodies were found, Billy wrestled in front of a crowd of 93,000 at the peak of his career. So he was a very famous, I think, WWF yeah, wrestler. Yeah, right. However, years later, after a long battle with addiction, he approached the boys' families, particularly his mother, Linda, um, Kevin's mother, Linda, to confess. So he claims that during his wrestling career, he also worked for a high-end drug circle that smuggled cocaine. He quoted to say, I was an enforcer who provided muscle to other parts of the criminal element to ensure that their illegal business dealings were collected upon. In August of 1987, I was contacted by an Arkansas criminal politician and asked if I would provide muscle at an Arkansas drug transaction. He claimed he was asked by a prominent politician who he never named to check out local money drops in the area where he believed that cash was being stolen. So essentially what would happen in these drops is planes would fly really, really low over these forests, like throw drugs out the window and then money would be left and someone would go and collect it right. later. So Haynes claims that he witnessed the two boys being murdered and their bodies placed on the train tracks in an effort to cover up the homicide. However, this that particular theory specifically of his involvement seems improbable considering that he was that very night in a match and he would have had to make it several hundred miles yeah. to then witness the boys being murdered. And this seems like it would be something he's doing outside of the competition of his regular yeah. workload. In saying that, a lot of people say that that this confession has come literally decades after his career is well and truly over. He really had no reason, like he didn't do some big high-profile interview. He just kind of approached one of the boys' family members. So a lot of people are like, what reason would he have to have made that up? Like it's not like he went to a current affair and did some yeah, or wrote a book about it. Yeah, you know. he just kind of offered up his own confession. So the drug theory, though, has a lot of weight to it. So let's talk about another man linked to the case, Dan Harmon. So February 1988. So failing to get anything accomplished through government agencies, the parents of the boys who were murdered take advantage of the media's interest in the case and hold a press conference to demand a new autopsy. Dan Harmon, who was a prosecutor who eventually becomes involved with the case, at that time had no official capacity, offered to help the parents to kind of push to get another autopsy. April 1988, Harmon is appointed to head a county grand jury investigation from which the deaths are then formally ruled homicide and Harmon kind of becomes like a local town hero. During this time, witnesses of the crime seem to kind of wind up dead. There's a bunch of people involved in this case, who wind up dead. Now, after all this has happened a a little bit further down the track, there's a separate investigation going on into Dan Harmon's involvement with drug smuggling by a man called Gene Duffy. 
And that seems very much this like David V. Goliath thing with Gene Duffy trying to, he's got all this alleged evidence and every time he tries to bring it to someone it kind of gets shut down or he gets death threats or witnesses he has suddenly disappear or go silent. In January 1994, the FBI opens their own investigation into the deaths of the boys on the train tracks after a witness says they saw Dan Harmon on the tracks the night the boys were murdered. This witness was placed in protective custody, passed a polygraph test and had corroborating evidence that fit in with evidence Kevin's mother, Linda, had already collected. Now, the timeline gets a little bit spotty in terms of years because if you want to believe what Gene Duffy says, it's all a big cover-up, so it's kind of difficult to collate information about Dan Harmon but he is actually eventually arrested and charged with drug related offences but is eventually acquitted so it's kind of odd that this man that inserted himself essentially into this story with no prior connection ends up really highly likely having connections with drug smuggling so both Gene Duffy and Linda Ives both have strong suspicions that Dan Harmon was somehow involved in the boys' murder and his subsequent part that he played in the investigation was all a part of a plot to kind of bend any evidence in his direction and cover up his kind of like make the investigation go the way he wanted it to right. go. So the parents were pushing to get a second autopsy so he kind of made that happen so they could at least kind of put to bed those issues that they had with the accidental drug overdose that was yeah. very obviously not the, what blunder. actually happened. Yeah, okay. So they got their homicide ruling and then it kind of went nothing from, like, nowhere from there. Also worth noting at the time this is all happening, Dan Harmon is great pals with Bill Clinton, who was the then governor of Arkansas. Okay. As well, a woman called Charlene Wilson, who was the lover of Dan Harmon at the time, at the time this all happened, she said that she'd been with Harmon for a drug do- drop and stayed in the car witnessing the kids being killed from the car by Harmon and a couple of other people. Later on, she went further to confess to stabbing one of the boys, but then she was given a polygraph and that showed she was lying about the stabbing. Right, okay. She was ultimately arrested for selling drugs and many believe that this subsequent arrest was actually another part of the cover-up to, to shut her, her up. Yeah. So the last man I want to talk about is a man called, uh, and I could be mispronouncing this name, Farmy Malik, who was the doctor who initially, or the coroner rather, who initially ruled the boy's death as accidental suicide due to marijuana use. So Malik has been involved in multiple, let's just say, interesting coroner rulings and has been investigated multiple times. However, after a hearing to raise his salary by 41% by local officials, the family of the boys attended to try and kind of push back against this, saying, why the fuck would you give him more money? And they eventually banded together to create the Victims of Malik's Incredible Testimony or Vomit. (laughs) That's awesome. So they began petitioning to have Malik removed and for three years, despite having a legitimate petition signed by multiple people were denied the opportunity to formally present the petition. Now it is worth noting also that the area the boys were in 
sort of that kind of large forest area is a prominent dropping area or was for a drug circle that was run by a man named Barry Seal. So he was a commercial airline pilot involved in a major drug smuggling plot. And it's very well known that that area was an area that they used. So while they're not necessarily saying that it was Barry Seals, it's a proven fact that that area was involved in that kind of thing. It's to say that it's very probable that they were these two boys were wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. So the generally accepted theory, which basically pulls bits from all of the people I've talked about, was yep. that the boys, while out hunting, because they were they'd gone out hunting together that night, stumbled across either a drug drop or a money grab, which likely involved the linings of the pockets of some very powerful people in their county state area, as mentioned by the wrestler Haynes. It's highly probable that politicians as well as district coroners were either in on it themselves or paid off very well by those who were involved to try and sway the investigation their way. Uh, Sadly, no sort of official answer has ever been found. I believe that all but... Linda Ives, who was Kevin's mother, were alive till recently, and I think she passed away last year. Okay. But from t- till the day she died, she was petitioning to try and find out what actually happened to her son and her son's right. friend. And that is the story of the boys on the tracks. That is fascinating. Mm. Like, that is just such a crescendo of a story. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it just, it really sounds like. A movie plot. Really. Yeah. Like two boys stumble upon something they probably shouldn't have seen and it just goes awry for them. And there's even, it even has the 80s trope of a fucking pro wrestler as like hide muscle. Like mm. that's insane. Um, but if you are interested in uh, reading more, there's obviously, as with all these conspiracy theories, there's so much information on Reddit. But there's also a really good four-part series that another podcast called True Crime Garage did. Um, and it goes into, obviously, it's a four-parter, so it goes into quite a bit more Everything. detail yeah. than I have done. Um, but, yeah, it's a really good series that I would recommend you check out if you want to hear some more. But, yeah, it really does kind of sound like most people are like, yeah, well, that's that's yeah. what happened. But there's just no way of proving it. It's it's a It's a combination of, like these different facets of so there's this weird uh coroner who fucked up the first autopsy multiple times and has fucked up many different cases in his whole life mysteriously after five months as a second look at the bodies and a pro wrestler approaches the family telling of him of their his involvement and a person who was involved according to that theory and that is involved with Bill Clinton. It's like fucking hell. Jesus Christ. And it holds like weight as well because we all know well and truly that the Clintons have some pretty suspect things surrounding them. Many different kinds of weird deaths. Yeah, well, yeah. The other thing worth mentioning that um, I didn't want to put too much weight on because I couldn't really corroborate it, but I read somewhere that this uh, Malik doctor had once put it through a coroner report that someone had died from an ulcer when they'd been decapitated. <laughs> what? But the he was like, fuck? cause of death, stomach ulcer. 
And there's like, bro, I'm pretty sure the cause of Hang death on. is the fact he doesn't have a fucking head anymore. Yeah. An ulcer. His, his stomach isn't connected to his fucking yeah. mouth. What do you think? I'm pretty sure the, that's the issue, that's the, bro. His brain's gone. He's not a chicken. Yeah. He's dead. But he was like, no, there's definitely yeah. an ulcer. No, I did it to a chicken one time. It was, it was pretty fucking weird. This guy sounds like he's on 10 marijuana cigarettes. Yeah. But <sighs> yeah, 41% pay rise. Yeah, that's so that like. just screams. There's something dodgy. going on there. There is something going on there. That is weird. But yeah, that is the that is the conspiracy theory slash story of the boys on the tracks. And just another tally to the weird Clinton family circumstances. Well, whether or not they were directly tied, yeah, but it's just but there weird is, that it's just it's just another thing that they're like loosely connected to. That's just fucking weird. Mm. Like there's another one about a fucking a robot car losing control and crashing into a, a tree, killing someone who was what? connected, who had information on the Clintons. Oh my god, I've never heard that before. We, I might talk about it one time because it's it's incredible. There's a That's car amazing. that they think was hacked into that lost control, drove into a tree, no. burned, killing the person inside Jesus. who had information against the Clintons. That's wild. Yeah, and wow. you know we all know about Epstein. Potentially having something against Bill Clinton. Yeah. You know, it, it's I just love weird. me a good conspiracy theory. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's no, like, I don't think there's much weight to it, but it's just like, there's, that's, really that's fucking weird. Yeah. But yeah, I will definitely talk about that case one day Amazing. for sure. All right. We're going to take a quick break, guys. So get your poo poos, get your pee pees in. Um, you, you, have, and pee-pees? you have about, I don't know, like 30 seconds if you can. Speed poo. Yeah, you speed can do poo. It. I mean, you can listen to this podcast while you're pooping. There's no rule. There's no rules. You don't have to tell us. We'd never know. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you can if you want you to. Can but tell I'd us rather if you, want you to. didn't. That'd be great. Anyway, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back after these non messages. <laughs> back 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 again okay so this week i am talking about what is referred to as the bogle chandler case this is another australian case um and as i said it's pretty interesting because it delves into a little bit just a little t- a little you know toe into the the waters of history in, a, in sydney um on something that i didn't really know existed so uh very interesting so I'm talking about Gilbert Bogle and Margaret uh, Ch- Margaret Chandler. These two people, it's a, it's a very convoluted, interesting story. So I'm just going to start with who they are. Okay. Gilbert Stanley Bogle was born in 1924. He was a uh, physicist for the, the, SS, the CSIRO, which is the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization on the campus of University of Sydney. He was well regarded for his abilities as a scientist. Um, I think he was award-winning. Just a very good, very good at his job. He was married with children, though he frequently had casual and sexual relationships with other women. Okay. One of whom was a... Well, it's thought to be that he had one with a woman called Margaret Chandler. Margaret Olive Morfett, who later married Jeffrey Chandler and assumed his last name, was born in 1934. They had two children together. George, 
uh, Jeffrey Chandler, who was uh, Margaret's husband, happened to work at the same building um, in the CSIRO building as Bogle did. Just like Gilbert, Margaret was supposedly interested in casual relationships as well. And this is believed to stem from the Sydney push subculture that was connected to the University of Sydney. Now, a brief deep dive into what Sydney push was. It was around the late 1940s to early 1970s, mostly operating within pubs in Sydney. It involved students, academics, musicians, journalists, etc., all of whom were predominantly left-wing and following the free love ideology that love comes without consequences and that you shouldn't be held behind, you know, feeling guilty Mm -hmm. uh, for just wanting love. The majority of the members were typically made up from the Faculty of Arts students and staff from the Sydney University, but later in the 60s, students from and staff from University of New South Wales also got involved. This was mostly predominant within pubs and establishments within Sydney, uh, hence the name Sydney Push. Mm-hmm. It's also referred to as The Push, um, as it was sometimes called. The most well-known pub that this was operating at was the Royal George Hotel at Sussex Street in the CBD of Sydney, which has now been renamed as the Slip Inn in more recent years. This is where, if you don't know where El Loco and Chinese Laundry are, yes, that's the hotel. The Excelsior? No. Uh, it's that building there. Right. It's called the Slip-In. Okay. But it holds El Loco and I believe Chinese Laundry. Right. Um, it's now regarded as a heritage building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been renamed from its original name of Royal George Hotel, uh, which we'll probably see one day because we're out of lockdown. We can I can take you there and show you exactly where it is. So to sum it up, basically, here's an excerpt from Clive James' Unreliable Memories. Quote, The Royal George was the headquarters of the downtown push, usually known as just the push. As well as libertarians and the aesthetes, they, there were also small-time gamblers, traditional jazz fans, and the homosexual radio repairmen who had science fiction as a religion. The, the back room had tables and chairs. If you stuck your head through the door or the back room, you came face-to-face with the push. Now, to go back to Margaret Chandler, as mentioned before, her husband, Jeffrey, worked in the same building as Gilbert Bogle. Margaret had actually met Gilbert Bogle while she and Jeffrey were attending a barbecue sometime before the Christmas period of 1962. On their drive home, Margaret had told Jeffrey that she was quite interested in Bogle, and Jeffrey told her that if he wanted to take Gib, as he referred to him um, as a lover, then if it made her happy, she should do it. Another person who worked at the CSIRO building was Ken Nash. Ken and his wife, Ruth, were hosting a New Year's Eve dinner party at their home in Chatswood. Ken had invited Margaret and Jeffrey Chandler as well as Bogle over. The Chandlers arrived at around 10 p.m. with Jeffrey leaving at around 11.30 p.m. to attend a Sydney Push New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve party in Balmain. This was hosted by a man called Ken Buckley. It was here where he met Pamela Logan, who was a woman he was... Uh, incidentally having an affair with uh, where they and they later on traveled to where she was staying in Darlington. Jeffrey returns to the party at Chatswood at 2.30 a.m. but shortly leaves again on his own to their home in Croydon as Margaret said she would be returning home with Bogle. That's a 
fucking trek and a half across oh, yeah. Sydney. These people are fucking partying like Darlington crazy. Darlington to Chatswood to Croydon. That's yeah. a... Okay. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair drive from fucking... Darlington to Chatswood. To Chatswood is... is a, it's not like hours, but it's like... That's a drive. Yeah. It's like 30, 40 minutes. Well, especially in those times, yeah. yeah. So, around 4 a.m., Bogle and Margaret depart from the party and they drive to the nearby Lane Cone River, which is also known as Lover's Lane. Sometime later, two boys who were searching for golf balls near Fuller's Bridge at the same river come across Bogle lying down on the ground. They assume that he's just drunk, so they carry on about their business. It wasn't until about an hour later they came back and they found that he had still not moved at all, in the exact same position he was in. As well, now his face had turned basically blue, so they immediately sought help. Upon arrival, police immediately noticed that Bogle was half-dressed with his his trousers placed over the back of his legs, making it appear like he was wearing them half-hazardly. A piece of carpet was placed onto his back with his jacket placed over top of that. Sometime later, police had also found the body of Margaret Chandler a short distance away. She too had been half-dressed with the her body partially covered by a cardboard beer box. Both the bodies had been found with vomit and excrement seemingly before they passed away, mm-hmm. indicating that they may have been poisoned. Potentially, in what could be the, in the detriment of this case, the forensic examination for both bodies were delayed by 36 hours because this was, of course, on New Year's Day, and that is, of course, a public holiday. Uh. So, Fuck. Uh, when examination could finally begin, they could find no trace of poison. Almost immediately, though, this case is just the talk of the town. You would think something like that maybe warrants someone getting overtime to work on a public holiday. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, and you think like police, it'd be kind of different, but they're like, hey, mate, that's fucking... That's January 1st. That's Monday. No it's take me Mate, January it's Sunday. 1st. That's Monday's problem. Like, come back to me later. God's day. Anyway, as I said, this case is just blowing up. Uh, especially at this time, I don't think things like this typically mm. happen. So, But the, also the main reason is because this story involves mixing of partners, potential poisoning, and there's even theories that a third person was there at the death scene. Scandal. Uh, as well as that, there's, a, there's another theory that suggests that Bogle was involved in research for, in research for the Cold War. Yes, yeah, so we love a good like, especially this time period. Yeah. We love a good, you know, scandal with the Cold the War. Yeah. So, even the coroner, Mister J J Loams, was stumped. Essentially, concluding in his inquest that Bogle and Margaret had died either of as, as a result of their one of their heart stopping and two either of that or their breathing. Yeah, that stopping. that would that would do it. He's like he literally says in the inquest, anything further cannot be determined because there is no fucking evidence to say so. He goes, here's how they died, probably. That's all I know. He's like, look, I'm pretty sure either the lungs shat themselves <laughs> or the heart shat themselves. One or the other fucked up. Dude's I don't know. Still, which... Dude's still hung over from New Year's yeah. Eve. And he's look, like, mate, I think it was the heart or the lungs. It's I had a rager be... the other day and I'm just ready just to call it quits. He's like swaying and slurring. And they're yeah. like, dude, you're okay. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. It's the heart. This heart stopped, it stopped working. Now, another thing that was fucking loved in this time period was the theory of LSD. Especially oh, because God. they were happy-go-lucky Free-loving hippies. The hippies and yeah. the Russians yeah. were Big just thing. 
So while there was absolutely no trace of LSD found in the system, police spent most of their time and most of their leads investigating this theory, believing it to be a sound theory. So this was further disproved with tests in 1996 when they were sent to America using um, what they had remained. Um, I, I can't, I don't know exactly how it works, but they have what is referred to as. Um, yeah, the CIA knows all about LSD. They were like, yeah, bro, send it to us, we'll know. Well, so they have, uh, I can't remember what the term is, but they have uh, ways of retesting this in right. with better techniques. Yeah. So they sent it off to America to be like, hey, figure this shit out. Yeah. And America comes back saying they're negative results for LSD. They're like, can you test it again? Yeah. <laughs> they actually did. They tested it multiple oh times. I, I believe tw- I believe twice just to make sure. But they're they like, were like, are we sure? Yeah. They're like, are we sure it's not LSD? It's not LSD. They're like, you guys need to give the fuck up. Anyway, here is what most likely happened. Okay. And it is a gag. It Ooh, is okay. It is okay. So one of the more sound theories comes from a documentary called Who Killed Dr. Bogle and Mrs. Chandler, which originally aired on in 20, 2006 on ABC. Now, this theory presents that the documentary points out several key features of this particular theory. A couple of decades before the case, the lo- a local council received complaints from residents saying that the river was producing a rotten egg smell. Some saying it was causing nausea and even difficulty in breathing. The bottom muds of the river were found to be completely saturated with hydrogen sulfide, and that a section of the river could potentially be releasing large amounts of hydrogen sulfur gas. It was found that the source was coming from a factory that was pumping out waste in the river since the, ni- the 1890s, the worst affecting area being the weir exactly where Bogle and Margaret had died. Interesting. Gag. Other elements would support this theory from the Black River sediment from the day of when their bodies were found on New Year's, weather conditions and local uh, location providing an ample environment for gas to accumulate, and the most damning of all, a purple discoloration was found in both victims' blood, which is fairly common in cases of hydrogen sulfide poisoning. Mm. To better explain this, here's some fucking science for her, right? You ready for this? And just take this with a grain of salt because I... I'm not a scientist. Okay. I just briefly re- researched this. Wait, you're this. not a scientist? No, I'm not. Why I, do you wear I'm a lab coat all the time? That's our, my king. <laughs> bring that up. So hydrogen sulfide is heavier than air. It is a gas, so it is invisible to the eye. And at certain amounts of it, we're, we're using the, the measurement PPM, which is pass per notation, which is what they use to measure things that are too small or rather gases that can't be measured any other way. You can't measure them with like millimeters or centimeters. Mm. What? Nothing. Just I'm immediately thinking of a penis stroke. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, so at a small amount, you, you, can, you can't detect anything. And at a certain level, you can smell the gas. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I'm so sorry. I'll stop. Thank you. The... Hydrogen sulfide being heavier than air, it needs a breeze for it to dissipate. Otherwise, it'll just pull together. Okay. Okay, That makes sense. It's thought that when Bogle and Margaret arrived, the gas level was relatively low. And while an eruption occurred further upstream, it carried down to where they were measuring at around 100 to 150 ppm, parts per notation. This being 
what is proposed to be a typical level in the area on days with no breeze. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you happen to know it, on this particular night, it was a still night. It was no okay. breeze. It was cold, perfect conditions for this gas to build up. And Paul, no no way for it to dissipate. So at high, at 30 ppm, just to give you a reference point, hydrogen sulfide will produce the rotten egg smell, which is what most people were smelling in the area. While at 100 plus ppm, which is what they believed it was at that time, uh, will instantly paralyze the olfactory nerve, which is your sense of smell, eventually leading to vomiting and breathlessness if you're left around it too long. Interesting. So as Bogle and Margaret have spent quite a, a substantial amount of time within that 100 to 155 range and it's pooling it's just subsiding it's not going away this could have led to nausea and breathlessness and being that gas is invisible and their sense of smell has been completely compromised they, they have, have no, no idea. idea what's going on they have Plus no idea they were what's going drinking, on so they were probably just like yeah thought they were throwing up from eventually as a result of the hydrogen sulfide binding with the hemoglobin in their blood this would lead to a reduction in oxygen capacity and further disorientating them, making it difficult to comprehend what's going yeah. on. Your brain doesn't go, uh, oxygen doesn't go to your brain. What do you do? You, you, you freak out. Mm. Also, making it extremely difficult to escape the area from the gas. Mm. So seemingly, they just spent too long in there wow. to figure out how to get out. And they just got stuck, eventually slowly dying from uh, hydrogen sulfide poisoning. Jesus. Yeah. It's bleak. Now there was a there was a um, an actual investigation into the third person that was present in the scene. So police originally sort of didn't they didn't necessarily or rather detectives didn't necessarily think that there was a murderer per se, mm-hmm. but they thought there was a third person present just due to witness statements and evidence that they found, and it was eventually released. Uh, found that uh, the prime suspect of this person was a, a greyhound racer or a, a, um, I believe they were a greyhound racer or a, uh, a breeder. Mm-hmm. And they had claimed that they, were, they found the bodies and just covered them up to like, you know, pay respects to them or like make them look more respectable and then just left. Well, it sounds like if his pants were off, it sounds like they're in the middle of maybe... What what it seems to be is that they went to this lover's lane area, started pumping and were naked. Mm. And, you know, being in that area for so long, they're disorientated and then slowly dying. They freak out. They might... They, like, but the reason why Margaret might have been so far away is that... She tried to... Might have tried to escape the yeah. area or couldn't figure out what's going on. And then these bodies were found. I, I mean... Why you don't immediately call the police when you see bodies? Maybe he thought they were passed out and just wanted Could to have cover been them drunk up. Drunk as well. Maybe, but so that's where the third per- person comes in, and right. there's nothing really. I don't. I didn't find anything substantial on that, but there's enough to say like, yeah, totally. That makes sense. Very interesting. But that's like the proper, the proper way to for that to go out. But yeah, um, a completely weird circumstance that has no real conclusion to it because mm. nothing's been definitively said and we don't know if that's how they died because we just don't know. Yeah. But it's most likely the instance of how they died and is wow. completely crazy and would be a fucking gag to this company. 
if they were making this fucking poisonous water in a frequent spot where people were diving in to collect golf balls. Yeah. Anyway, that is the case of the Bogle Chandler case. Very um, cool. A very interesting case. I liked and that one. I mean, I didn't like it. but No. But I, I, th- I thought it was a pretty interesting case because it, it gives you a... a, 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 a gives you a moment to sort of deep dive into these different aspects of like, hey, some history on Sydney and like mm. the free love movement in Sydney and how cool that is. You know what I mean? Like Sydney has some cool history with that, like the LGBT community yeah. in Sydney. Like, and, and it's all around pub culture as well and university culture, yeah. which is fucking sick. Very cool. That was a really good one. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, that was, yeah, just a fascinating case because, again, it's kind of like yours where it's just like there's – seemingly weird things around it. Like it could have been a jilted lover. There was theories of that. It could have yeah. been like the, there was the red theory. There was the LSD theory and all of whom were like disproved wow. essentially. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. This is the end of the case section of the I show. You were just ending the no. episode then. I was like, whoa, this is the, the ending of the case section of our show where we, just you know do our cases we are now diving into our sort of fluff section so if you're just here for the cases we'll see you guys next week or friday rather um for two more two additional more cases for this week um and if you're here for the fluff welcome 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 to the fluffiness let me just take a sip of my wine here yeah very good very good wine how you I told you to give this one a few more days. This wine? Yeah. What What was wrong with it? Do you not remember? No, I don't remember this. Oh, dear. So Tama had a big night on Saturday and there's multiple parts of the evening <laughs> when he came home that he apparently doesn't remember. So I gave him a taste of this wine on Saturday night that I just opened and put in a decanter and he was like, oh, it's disgusting. Was that the wine or was uh, that the pizza? No, it was the wine. You didn't like the pizza as well, okay. but the wine, you were like, it's disgusting. Ah, oh, it tastes like piss. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Well, no, no, it was the, that was the, the blonde. No, it was the red as well. No, I don't remember. T- was, okay. I remember. I remembered not liking. Because I was completely sober at that point of the evening. Okay, but I was, I called the orange wine piss. I yeah. remember that. But you also called the red wine almost undrinkable and it tastes like piss. <laughs> Almost undrinkable. So I'm like, Almost. I can drink this, but I don't want to. And I told you to give it a couple of days in the decanter and it would taste nice. Or just being sober. That typically helps. No, because it wasn't that nice on Saturday. Okay. I didn't like it either. So I'm like, I, I probably would have said the same thing sober. <laughs> so dramatic though. That's I think mean, that's dramatic. The, that's the funniest thing about you when you're drunk. It's so hilarious when I'm sober and you're drunk. Is you? It's just... You're so dramatic. It's yeah, I'm like great. a movie character. I'm yeah. just like things are just It's amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm just practicing for my my career as a as a Hollywood actor. Mm. Really. If anything, that shows you why fucking actors are drunk half the time. They need to be to yeah. be dramatic. Yeah. Harrison Ford shows up to Indiana Jones drunk as fuck. It's just cuz he's a good actor. Mm. Don't you dare judge him. Don't you dare. Yeah, you piece of shit. I hope you've all had a good week. Yeah, uh, to our Sydney listeners, I hope you guys are staying safe still and just enjoying 
I just guess enjoying our things, f- you know, what we can do, like relatively going back ish to normal ish. Yeah, not really, but sort of ish. Um, we recently purchased a like a pull up machine thing, or not a machine, like a pull up bar thing, and whatever that core 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 stuff is. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Know. we're leveling up our workout. We got to figure out how to put it together. Yeah, we don't know how to do it. It's <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare, but it'll be. Sort of worth it once we do it, I guess. If we can get it to yeah. fit together. Um, we also have Toffee here joining us in the studio room, who's decided that now is a, the perfect time to demand attention. Despite the fact she's been asleep nearly all yeah. day. So she's screaming out. If you hear a cat meowing out, that's most likely her. And Laura's currently picking her up, and she's regretting every decision she's ever made in this past five seconds. The face says it all. If you guys could see the face. It is just a face of, oh, she fuck. She hates her life. I can't believe you've done she this. She hates her life. Yeah. That's what happens when you annoy me. I give you cuddles yep. and you hate it. Anyway, enough cat talk. Yeah, enough cat talk. Um, we have a appointment tomorrow to eat tacos. An appointment? Yeah, where we have made an appointment with the taco doctor to eat tacos. I'm severely lacking in vitamin tacos. Yeah. And vitamin Margarita. cocktail. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna uh, have some tacos from this wonderful place in Newtown. Um, uh, Vendale Taqueria. It's all really vegan dig. tacos, but you would never know they're vegan. Yeah. They're so good. So uh, if you're in the inner west, yeah. I would highly recommend. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a lot of Sydney names in this case as well. So sorry to our American audience who probably have no fucking clue what i'm talking about just look it up on the maps it's i mean it's what we we typically have to do when we research american cases because we're like where the fuck is connecticut yeah do do they know where it is yeah (laughs) so many states yeah god damn this and just names and um places that just have such fascinating names and you think you know where they are and then you're like okay that's not where it is yeah. There's there's like apparently there's a, a London somewhere in either America or 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 uh Canada. I don't know which one it was, but they have a London as well. And you're like that's just confusing. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Or Texas. I think I there's think a Paris as well. It has a in Paris Texas. in Texas. Yeah, and you're yeah. like why the f- they're just like, "You know what? Wait, we, we want one as well." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want one as well, please. Oh dear. Well, I, I don't have amazing. any like fairy smart updates because no. I haven't had as I haven't had time to read that much since last Wednesday. Yeah, you haven't had a chance to fiddle with your um, fairy G spot. Please don't ever year. ever say that again. Okay, that was too much. Okay, that was that was stop. She keeps trying to rub well, her head against get her off of your microphone. fucking lap then she likes it she's, she never me sits on my lap i think she's gonna jump on the fucking laptops and i have to take what she gives me and she never sits on my lap willingly i usually have to hold her she's not willing she's not willingly sitting there she's trapped she's not trapped oh yeah she's trapped by my leg and the okay she's you grabbing her go on she doesn't want to get down she's enjoying herself okay it's a bit of a weirdo. She is a bit of a weirdo, but she's my weirdo. Um, yeah, so we're excited for tacos. We have a couple of different plans to go to. We have a pub we're going to at some point. We have 
a bar that we really like called Papa Getty's in the city, which incidentally is sort of near where this um, hotel I was talking about is in. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, it's in the CBD. Cool. And Papa Getty's is like right by this part. Like, I can't remember what the street was, but it's Go like for a it's little that walk by. street. Yeah, we'll walk by it. Um, but you know where Chinese laundry is? It's no. in that. Okay, well, then perfect. I never went for like I never went clubbing. I'm not okay. cool enough. I don't know where anywhere is. Chinese laundry is pretty was pretty dope back in the day. I the only okay, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, let's so do the it. The only thing I know about Chinese laundry is that when I was in high school slash the years first years preceding high school, I was in like a weird on again, off again thing with this dude who was a compulsive liar. Mm-hmm. Like he would just but because I was so obsessed with him, I'd like look at him with these big like Google eyes and be yeah, like, oh my God, that. tell me more. Yeah. But now I look back, I'm like, that was a f- fucking lie. Yeah. I hate that. Even at the time, I think I was like, well, that's clearly not true. Yeah. But, but you're cool. like, oh, it's okay. It's all right. So he told me this story and now I'm about to say that loud. I'm like, why the fuck did you like this idiot? So he told me this story about how he went to Chinese laundry to go clubbing and the club was, oh God. The club was like so popping, so going off and so like hot and sweaty and humid that the collective humidity from the people in the club dampened the ceiling and the ceiling fell down. That's not a thing. No. That's not a, that's that's scientific. And I remember inaccurate. him telling me this story about oh it was crazy, man, yeah. like the ceiling fell just because from, from everyone's sweat. And you're and like, I was okay, like, Quentin okay, Quentin Tarantino, let's just Okay, I love you. Yeah. Please love me. Yeah. Um yeah, but now in hindsight I'm like, that was a fucking lie. It wasn't even a good lie. Yeah, Michael Bay's hitting him up like, dude, yeah. you have great ideas. <laughs> let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk money. But yeah, I look back and I'm like, why why? Yeah. It's fascinating that during those times you can see red flags in people and just not like not yeah. do anything about it, which is why I think like people who I don't want to say like privileged, but like people who haven't necessarily gone through experiences with with like abusive people or people who treat you very poorly um or just, I guess, negative, bad people to be in relationships with. Mm. And you see those red flags and people are like criticizing others from like, you saw the flags, like why didn't you leave that person? I saw and I chose to ignore. Yeah. That's the thing. You don't really know any better. You can't leave because there's many different facets of it. Well, sometimes it's not that you don't know better. Sometimes it's like you know better, but you don't think you can get better. That's not what I really want. I don't, I mean, it's not like you, um, what I meant. You know, you're, like, not that you don't know better, but it's not that, like, it's just that you don't see any other alternative. Yeah. You don't really see like leaving them as an option or like, you know. Yeah. Like you don't think you could do better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you yeah. think like, this is just what I got to put up with to have this. Which is why, like, I hate when people criticize people who have been abused and in abusive relationships and, you know, like, why don't you just get out of it? Like, why did you stay so long with them? It's like, that's like, fucking, you can't help it. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know how bad something is until you, like, take a step back yes. and you're like, oh. Yeah. Well, okay. I think, too, because in, like, my experiences with, like, just abusive people, uh, being my relationship with you being it's like my first real connect, like my actual first relationship where I can say like, 
someone I lived with and shared expenses with and, mm. you know, just did things with. Um, it took me to get into that and realize like, oh, like a relationship isn't this thing where someone treats you like shit and then they treat you nicely, not like 10% t- of the time and then you exist just for those moments. Yeah. You know? It's And it's fascinating because when you and I met each other, we were at points in our lives where we weren't looking for fucking Yeah, we'd anything. both come out of terrible relationships. Yeah, and we were just like, I don't really know what the fuck to do in a relationship setting. Yeah. And I think that's what made us work so well from the, from the beginning was just like, we were raw. Like, we were like just blank Yeah, I think blank it's also we're both fucking weirdos. Yeah, but like, well. I mean, not like the fact that we're soulmates kind of helps. Aw, that's like, a bit cute. You know what I mean? Like we kind of entered into our relationship yeah. sort of being like, hey, I'm, well, I'm a blank slate. I don't know what hey, the fuck I'm, I'm doing. Hey, I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> you were me like, too. me too. Yay. High five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's fascinating to look back on those experiences. It, and it's not just relationships, it's friendships as well. Yeah. You know, people that you sort of cling on to because you went to high school with them or you, they're just all you know. You Isn't know. it so interesting though how, and I've noticed it's a big thing with like people who I look back and I'm like, oh, you were, proper, you were a proper narcissist. It's like yeah. they know how to just like drip feed you enough, yes. just enough attention to keep you hooked, but not enough that you can accuse them of being like, well, you yeah. made me think that this was more than it was. And they were like, I literally sent you one text message every three weeks. And you yeah. were like, yeah, but. Damn it. And then you throw in manipulating, gaslighting, mm-hmm. the whole works. It just adds up to that. Yep. You know, I, not so much like, more so with friendships I've had that, where I've had someone, yeah. and I, and you know, you and I being the kind of people that are like, not dependable, but like we're vulnerable. Yeah. You know, which is why I think like, I, I, I got dragged into those relationships with people because I was someone who depended on someone. I needed someone to sort of like vent to and to have a connection with because Mm. me being solitary is where my mental health gets like the worst and needing someone to connect to and having someone to share things with is so important for me that I think I connected with these people specifically. The wrong people. And being those kinds of people where they love to draw from your energy when they want to do so and they drip feed you exactly what you said, just the right things, it draws in people like you and I. Mm. Did you know in the spiritual community they're called energy vampires? Really? That makes mm-hmm. sense. It's very vampiric what they do. I also think Fun that's fact. kind of why I, when my like depression was the worst, I almost joined um, a church in my area. Oh, religious trauma. Yeah. So I had a friend that I went to primary school with who I didn't who didn't went to a different uh, high school. He went to a like a um, Christian school, and during my like deep depressive state, I kind of like cut off a lot of connection with people. And he was in my area, so I kind of saw him every now and then. And he was like, I was talking to him about what I was going through, and I met all his friends. And he took me to youth, which if you don't know what youth is, it's just like local Christian churches or different kinds of churches will have... I think it's a big thing in like Pentecostal yeah. song churches. So you have like sort of adults, young adults as like youth leaders who they'll host games and like fun sort of things and educational, whatever. Mm. There's a... 
I don't want to like say it, but for the for in some instances, it's very like cultish. Like yeah. join us, and I think that's. I think it's interesting you say that because like I had a very similar situation with me yeah. going back to church because I like always went to church with my mum. And then I kind of like lost interest when I was around like 15 to 18, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then it was a very similar thing. I was in a really, really bad headspace mentally. And I don't think the friend that brought me back to church, I don't think he in any way was like taking advantage. I think he genuinely thought it would, it would help. It would help me. Yeah. But I do think like whether or not they did it in a like, I don't know, but it was. I don't think I've ever experienced such bitchy clickiness than I have yeah. from the girls at a Pentecostal church, which is like that's not. I thought your whole vibe was like love and light, yeah. babes. Like, what do you? Why are you being such a? I don't you know, know what's sort of interesting word. is that, and I I agree that I think the person who was doing it to me wasn't necessarily doing it in a like you know. No, I think like way. both of the people were probably doing it out of a place. They were like. Jesus will help you. But also, like, I think, you know, I think help me. they came from areas where someone did it to them. Yeah. And then now it's sort of starting this like this pyramid scheme yeah. of But it's you like can I don't need Jesus, I just need antidepressants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I think this this person who did it to me was just sort of someone who found happiness through doing that, which is fantastic. Like wouldn't you mm. whatever works for you and as long as you're not using that as a blanket to like hide your yeah you know your misogyny or your homophobia like don't use that as a blanket for that like yeah but it was just like weird things because i particularly ended up moving in with two of the girls that i went to church with that was the first house i moved out of my parents house with with these two girls and i just remember like one saturday morning like i was in i was in a depression like going to church did not fix my depression surprise surprise and like, I think I slept in and I, like, walked into the kitchen as, like, her and the other girl were, like, getting ready to leave for church. And she was like, oh, you're not coming to church? And I was like, nope, just going to probably go and cry in bed. Mm. Like, deuces. Like, it's just the weird, like, judgmental undertone. Like, no, I'm not coming yeah. to church because I want to kill myself. Like, Yeah, it's not. There's, it, we're not of the sound mind to... To to find yeah. solace in you're church. not making it any better. Some like some people just can't like. <clears throat> some people find a release in yeah. that, which is fantastic. Not but, to and I you know. my thing is I don't have a problem with anyone. Like I truly believe in in the genuine definition of religious freedom. Like if you want to be yeah. Christian, if you want to be Catholic, Buddhist, like you do you live your bliss. Like don't force your shit on me. Don't. Don't force your shit on me. Yeah. Like, but no, I know a lot of people that like religion has, especially people that really suffer from like addiction and stuff like that. It can be really, really yeah. genuinely helpful. And a lot of um, convicts who have gone to jail for serious crimes sort yeah. of find what they call a second life. Yeah. You know, like they spend the rest of their life in jail and they find, you know, happiness and retrib not retribution, but like, a chance at redemption mm. in religion and doing good things because it's just positive to put out good yeah. energy, which and I my, think is fantastic. Yeah. And my beliefs have changed obviously a lot yeah. in the last 
how old am I? The last 12 years. Yeah. Um, but I forgot where I was going with that train of thought. Um, oh, I was going to say my beliefs have obviously changed a lot, but I'm also not at the same time going to try and pretend I think I'm smart enough to yeah. 100% know if there is a God. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, and I think I think it's become it's, it's at the point where it's become um, like a a newt point where it's like if does God yeah. exist? Does God, does he does do they exist? Do they not? I think it's become to the point where it's like it doesn't necessarily matter. It's, it matters how you use that belief and how you channel mm. that belief, like how you channel spirituality, how you channel religion. Yeah, how are you taking that on board? and bettering yourself and putting your yourself out into the world. Are you using that to like help homelessness, help children who are starving in areas that you live in? Are yeah. you using that to teach a message of protect the weak and love everyone around you, accept mm. everyone around you? Or are you using that as a sense of saying, well, in as my religion protells you insert any example here Mm. are unworthy of life. Yeah. I think anything, anything that you walk away from and have like long held and by long held, I mean like me personally, I'm still kind of uncovering shit about the way I act, the way my attitude towards certain things where I'm like, oh, that's religious trauma. Cool. Love that. Anything that leaves you with deep-seated, fucked-up beliefs for literally a decade after, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Like, that's just my opinion. Like, especially... (laughs) I'm going to tell this story as if there's not, like, thousands of people listening to this. Okay. Um, Like, we've talked about a lot of stuff with me... Not so much now, but like maybe eight years ago when I first left the church, like so much of my opinion on like sex and what was like good and what was bad and what was right and what was wrong was so fucked up by what was taught in church. Like so much of how my friendships, yeah, my friendships with my female friends Mm. because I was so terrified of sharing any physical affection with my female friends because all oh, that's that's gay like yeah. and being gay is bad like yeah. i think anything that gives you that level of deep seated things where a decade lady like oh i still think that way because i had it like rammed into my brain for yeah. four years that that was bad like that's not good i think you should just you know teach people that you can make your own decisions in life when it pertains to things like sexuality yeah. You know, like, I think that's one of the worst things that comes from these upbringings. And especially me coming from a Catholic school mm. background, having just zero information on, like, sexuality, on safe sex, on Well, it gender. ends up being dangerous as yeah. well for younger people who just have no concept of how to practice safe sex. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like the abstinence thing is bullshit. Like if kids yeah. want to have sex, they're going to find a way to do it. Oh, like, as, as we found out through soaking and fucking <laughs> jump pumping. Exactly. There's ways teach around it. Teach them how to do it safely. And yeah. what's so fucked up is with that soaking thing is <laughs> I would almost guarantee that those kids are doing that, probably not using protection. No. 
and probably not understanding that even if you just, you know, putting the P in the V and not moving it, you There's can still, still get an STI. Things. You can yeah. still get pregnant. Yeah. Like, and it's really fucked up yeah. that these kids just have no concept of how to yeah. practice safe sex, how to take drugs safely. Yes. Like all of these things that are such for most people, such a normal part of growing up. Which, which is, it's just, it's just fascinating how like, we've been scared into just not yeah. talking about these topics, like exactly drugs. When at festivals they have um, people who are at the festivals who let you safely take drugs and they tell you yeah. what you're putting in your body is doing this to you and it has X amount of this in you. So while you're doing it, I'll be right here and if you go into any state of shock, I'll help we'll you take out. you to a fucking doctor. Yeah. And like... like- and people want to look at that and they go, you're giving them drugs to take at a festival? You're condoning. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. It's the whole thing, like a lot of people, it's this running joke how from Mean Girls, Regina George's mum is actually a fantastic mum. A fantastic mum. Like she comes Condoms. in and she's like, God, no, there's no alcohol in this. Yeah. But like if you want some, like I'll do give you some, house. I'd much rather you do it in house. Yes. Like that's she's a not, responsible parent. Like, she, like didn't, she didn't come in with alcohol and said, have at it, girls. She had... A mocktail and ha- and was like, if you do want to do it's it. so much, you'd rather do it in the house. Do it here. Little things like I was so scared of drinking when I left the church. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of what my uh, limit with alcohol was because yeah. I've just never really done it. I'd spent so long thinking that having more than like a glass of wine was bad and just had no concept of what my limit with alcohol Which was. Which is fucked up given the history of religion as well. Yeah, Just the Jesus literally wine. turned water into wine. Yeah, and you're like... He loved his booze. I, Don't we, tell me Jesus wasn't out on a Saturday getting pissed. And as a part of communion, we drink wine. And eat the skin of... It. That's not like, even talking about, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? What is these weird restrictions that you hold? Yeah. I feel like we were talking for ages, by the way. We should probably... Yeah. Let's wrap it up. That was a great comment. And that also directly funnels into what I was saying last week where I was like, we flick between, we'll have one episode where we talk absolute shit and then we'll have one episode where we get into this real altruistic, deep and meaningful existential conversation. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Like we'll have conversations where we're just like, yes, so fucking there's this thing called soaking. (laughs) And then we'll have this where we're like sexuality and religion and, you know. Religious trauma. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Which anyway, I, I hope that we hope you enjoy this. Well, I hope that you listening to this, if or you are interesting someone who has experienced that, or you find validation in someone else speaking about it, like not just any anything we talked about, abuse or relationships or mm. um, religious trauma or just religion in general. You know, if you have listened to that and you have found validation in someone talking about it, like fantastic, we're very happy. If you are going through. A state of trauma, there's help out there. There's lifelines and yeah. there are websites you can turn to. We do actually always, I should, I always forget to mention this. We always actually do include links to multiple different, they are Australian uh, resources, but yeah. we do include in the show notes of every episode uh, resources that you can reach yeah. out to. And just know if you are in a different country to Australia, there are options out there for your country. Send us a like. Neither of us are therapists, but like sometimes it's easy to talk to people you don't know. Send yeah. us a message. We'll talk to you. Yeah. I love talking to people. We're not trained at all, but we'll we can no we can provide you with links to websites We're good and listeners. articles and everything. So we can send you in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I, I just 
wanted to end that off with like if you are going through that like there is help out there yeah be it anything abuse mental health um confusion with sexuality gender religion fucking anything man like there's something out there to help you through this journey Mm. and And with with that that, oh that was weird it was very weird um we'll catch you the the code word of this week i I chose lemon lemon okay Code word is, that because is you lemon. Made, is that because you made lemon curd? No, it's because I'm literally looking at a photo of a lemon on my <laughs> Why are you laptop? looking at a photo of lemon? It popped up on Facebook. Okay. The code word is lemon because Laura's looking at photos of lemons. <laughs> so do with that as you will. All right. Send us in uh, the code word and we'll give you a thumbs up or we'll just give you a pat on the back um, digitally because we're not we can't physically there with you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll look forward to seeing you guys again on Friday. Send us photos of cats and dogs. Every week, Laura is doing a segment on Instagram where she shows people's pets off. I forgot to do it last week. Um, Laura is not very good at remembering to do that, but she's trying. And she's doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah. So send those in if you want to be get your pet featured on our Instagram stories. The BSC podcast on all things social media. All things socials. We also have TikTok. Check out TikTok for all our videos there. And we'll catch you on Friday. Bye. Bye.